0: Hey there, I'm Paul Lighting. You're listening to L.O. Governor, the podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of El Governor the Podcast, I'm Dylan, with me as always is Tom, how you doing?
2: I'm doing good, thank you.
1: Now that Halloween has settled down and we can, you know, uh, you know, uh, we can go back to being normal schedule, I yeah.
2: think. <laughs> and also, and now it's feel normal for all the Christmas stuff being around now. Because <laughs> <Even though it's laughs> fuck,
1: thanks. fuck Thanksgiving, no one gives a shit about Thanksgiving.
2: Well, again, unless you live in America, that's about it.
1: And then there's the Christmas stuff, and no, we're not gonna be doing a Christmas special or something like that, because,
3: right.
1: <laughs> Lord, and because it's all it is is just gonna be me talking about like what was it? National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation Christmas for like vacation. an hour.
2: <laughs> that's a great movie. It was a funny movie, though. <laughs>
1: I, li- I like it, I think it's underrated uh, I think it's probably one of the yeah. underrated vacation movies that they came out with But anyway, uh, for those who are new to the podcast Usually like we spent the first 20 or so minutes talking about Doctor Who So, uh, once again, spoilers But, you know, the episode already aired So fair game, and if you haven't seen it, then well, tough shit
2: Yeah, pretty much
1: So what did you think?
2: Um, I really liked the episode, to be honest. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's one of these episodes that really did try to take a lot of risks and did try to do a lot of new stuff. But, yeah, again, I think the biggest thing we have to talk about and get into first is um, Missy. It's probably the best way to, th- to start this whole thing off.
0: Oh, Missy should
2: be the master, a female master, a, be- a time lady. So, uh, right, when I saw this, I wasn't expecting it, but still at the same time, I'm like, I don't mind it, but it can really, they can really screw it up in the second part if they don't play their cards right.
1: I just thought it was just a stupid type of twist to go, oh, you know, we need a big twist for the second part, so there you go.
2: Do you think Moffat did it because of all, all the criticism that he keep, keep, keep getting from fans and critics keep saying to him, oh, oh why, can't female, why can't I have a female doctor? Do you think that's the reason why he did it?
1: Yeah, I think that's why he did it. Because, like, let's go back in time for a year ago when they announced Peter Capaldi as the doctor and everyone shit their pants with anger because they were like, oh, why can't he be a female? Why can't he be a female? And I'm like... They already established the character to be male. Like, yep. they already established him to be a male. He had a family. He had... um, He had Susan. So... Yep. That would kind of kill the purpose.
2: Yep, pretty much.
1: Like, that's... That's like DC Comics going and saying, Yeah, Superman's going to be a woman now. Just because... Like, yeah, it, it... It's not... It, it it makes no sense. Like, it... But with the Master, I, I don't have a problem with it because, again, he's not the, a character that you see that often. Like he, yeah, he,
0: true.
1: I mean, he... Well, the only time he ever became the main antagonist for the series was back in the Pertwee era, and that was it.
3: And the only yeah. reason
1: he became a big player in that is because the producers loved... Uh, Delgado's performance so much that they would write him into stories when he there was no need for him to be there so you will have stories with him just being there for the sake of it because they loved him so much
2: yeah and they brought the and they loved the character so much they brought him back throughout all Doctor Who's um, time um, time period with all the different incarnations of the Doctor um it's, in, it's an interesting take on it, because it's just like, the last time we saw the Master in the show was um, David Tennant's final hurrah as the Doctor, and that way he's fighting off against, um, well, the Time Lords themselves, and he went, he went back into the vortex with with the rest of the evil Time Lords.
1: That's what I'm trying to, so, like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, how are they going to explain how he got away, and how did he regenerated, and what happened to him?
2: Well, I'm guessing, because you know that big spear that basically, that giant like, whatever, I, don't, I can't remember what they call it, but that little spear that uploaded all the memories and data and like, soul of, of the dead, up into into the um, spear thing I'm guessing the master might have uploaded his whole time memory to that spear before he got killed, or they're going to have to do this convolutantly. but again, this is I don't know how they're gonna do it. I think that's the only because way to explain it. Because this is not
1: it. because this is not the first time his body was destroyed and he had to, you know, come back. Because if you yeah, remember right, correctly, basically... in the uh, Deadly Assassin, he came back all burnt up after the last time he fought the Doctor, yeah, looking he for stole a new body. body.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He stole a body to gain himself a new. Yeah, it's like, it's interesting that they brought him back in this sort of manner, and um, it's curious to see when they're going to go with it, and how are they going to play this off, because it's just, it's something new, It's so I wasn't expecting. Because be
1: cause, cause that's the thing, it's like, with the Master, he, they never wrote him as an evil doctor, like, it no. was, they said that he was a Time Lord, but he was not, never really, like, no. you know, they would, they would change, because again, he would go around possessing bodies, so... It's, it's like his. It's it's clear that he his his biology functions in a different way, compared to, compared to the time to um to 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 the doctor, but at the same yeah. time, and, and another another thing you gotta remember is when they brought him back um in the end of time he was resurrected, yeah. But something went wrong in the resurrection and he got all crazy and
3: shit.
2: Yeah, and the way I look at it that way, it's like um the the relationship between the doctor. And the master is very Sherlock Holmes slash Moriarty. It's the best way to put it. In that sort of sense, you, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean that's you know yeah. he's the main. He's the closest thing to a main antagonist the series has.
2: Yeah, and he it was done interestingly. Yeah, you know, they brought him back now and um over the course of the period of time. But this is one one of the most unexpected ways to bring him back and. He, as him coming back, he looked like he's been building up an army of the undead, which are being turned into um, Cybermen. Which, which I'm kind of
1: awesome. happy. I'm kind of happy with that because finally Moffat is using the Cybermen properly.
2: He finally
1: oh, yeah. got what they should be and what they shouldn't be:
2: medicine, cold, and emotionless.
1: Yeah, they are which robotic zombies. Ever. That, that's yeah. pretty much what they are. They're robotic
2: zombies. Mm-hmm. It was done really well with Ruin we It It's like, when I went into this, I thought, okay, this is going to be primarily a Cybermen story. But no, it turns out it's going to be a a master story. We're, like, we're, we're featuring the Cybermen, which I don't mind at all, to be honest. I have no problem with that.
1: I mean, it's it was a really good episode. I mean, yeah, a lot of people gave Clara shit, and I kind of understand why,
2: but... I I really I really liked that scene with her and the Doctor at the volcano. I really liked that scene. That was really good acting between the two of them.
1: Like I said before, and I'll say it again, uh, Jenna and Peter have, like, great chemistry together. Yeah.
2: The thing I want to like about that sequence is that they acted off so well with each other, and um, they just had very. It just was a very good, intense scene, and it really brought out the best in both their acting performances. And even the scene followed after it when he says to her, "I'll go to hell," and I think he was he's pissed off with her, but he cares enough for her to try to help her out with. Um, because the reason why she does that was um, a scene I wasn't expecting was that Danny got killed in a car. Eventually. Yeah, I mean
1: that was the, and that was the opener. Yeah, that was the opener and that was shocking. I'm like, holy shit!
2: <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one bit. Like I thought, well, it's just a, it's such a, it's such a normal way to die. And if a Doctor Who standard, that's very rarely seen. Like he's just literally like talking on the phone. And he's like walking and he just get, he just get run over by a car and I thought it was a very powerful sequence when they built up to that, and you knew that she wasn't right in the head, and then finally you saw the Doctor, she's like, oh. And then the Doctor, I think the reason why the Doctor full gear gave her, because I think this is what people do remember, she basically put her whole entire life on the line, jumping into the Doctor's time stream to save him in multiple encounters across time. So I think that's probably the reason why he gave her on that basis. Like, look, you...
1: And, and you gotta understand, like he, you know, Capaldi's incarnation of Doctor is he's a grumpy old, you know, dude who's up who is obsessed with science and learning and and all yeah. that shit. But he's more of a father to her than any of the other incarnations. Oh, like yeah. he's more of Absolutely. a father figure to her than um, the Matt Smith one was, because yeah. you know. As much as he'll yell at her, as much as he'll, you know, do all this stupid shit, he still, like, feels lonely without her. Yeah.
0: Because he keeps exactly. coming back
1: to her saying, like, you know, let's go on an adventure, you know? Yeah. Like And, and, uh, mo- and uh, most of the other incarnations don't didn't do that. Like, they wouldn't, uh, you know, they wouldn't go back and to, to one companion and say, let's go on an, an adventure. They would usually get stuck with them in, in some weird circumstance. Yeah.
2: I do like the whole fact of the Dark Walker element of it basically keeping the, the undead in like cages or well water chambers and stuff like that. I thought that was kinda creepy. I thought that was quite cool.
1: Yeah, I mean again it's 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 um an interesting concept and something we haven't seen before and like I said, I'm i I'm happy that the Cybermen are menacing again. I'm happy that they're taken seriously as bad guys finally after fuck knows how many seasons.
2: Oh, Nightmare Silver did not help.
3: Yeah, Ugh.
2: yeah, that did not help. But Nightmare and Silver, and that was like, yeah, that wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a good Cyberman episode. And they were in the Christmas special, and they were a bit of a joke in the Christmas special. But
1: oh, um, what in Cybermen, Cyberman! Yeah, how the how the fuck does that work?
2: Yeah, it was. I thought the episode was done remarkably well. All the acting was done well. Um, performances, all four of them. Even like the um, scene with um, Danny speaking to Clara on that intercom thing when he's in like that spear and she's saying no i'm gonna to come to you and she danny's like no you're not gonna come and he said why not well you know there's only one way to get here and that's to die and he said well i don't care i love you and he even like talks her out of it kept saying i love you i love you and like eventually she's, she just turns off the um monitor just not to hear him yeah that was that was kind of hard to watch yeah it was a hard scene to watch but then um it did make me laugh when when he, um, the guy was showing Danny this whole afterlife sort of thing um, gave him the iPad. And he was like, wait, do you have iPads in here? He went, no, we have. He said, yes, we have Steve Jobs as well. How that?
3: That, made laugh. <laughs> that made me
2: laugh quite a bit. Um,
1: yeah, I forgot about that. that I, think they, I think they added that in just because, like, um, what was it, uh, the... People complained about the iPad scene with Missy looking at Aunt Clara and like well, yeah. at the end of one episode, so I think they just added that yeah. and just
2: pissed people off, <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh quite a bit. um, I just thought overall it was just, it was a very well delivered scene that was, and I think the one scene we haven't touched upon, which I thought explained a lot of Danny's character, is him being a soldier. And the reason why he stopped being a soldier he by accident he actually killed a kid. Yeah, that was... I think, dark, I think that's the darkest, I, I probably have to say, the Doctor Who has ever gotten.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like... Uh, uh, you know, because that was like, wow. Like, even I Russell T. Davis like would never do something like that.
2: <laughs> no, and... Um, when I saw that, I thought, "Wow, this is something like I don't know, like Torchwood would have done." But yeah, I mean, damn,
1: you're really put like you're really pushing that T- PG rating, you know?
2: <laughs> and it's just like it, it really did understand because it's like it understand why it understand his character motivation, why he was so protective of of like his students and everything like that, and even to the point when um, it was in the caretaker when one of the students asked him, oh, you ever killed anyone?" And he froze up a little bit when when he asked him. He didn't really. He he dodged the question completely. It was done. Yeah, well. it
1: was. It was that was dark.
2: Like yeah. Even the was, bit when when he said, "Oh, you got a meeting." It's it's with the actual kid he killed by accident as well.
1: Yeah, that was dark as shit.
2: Yeah. But you know, what? applause to Moffat for
1: finally. I mean, this episode I liked a lot because Moffat finally shed that stupid uh, kids crap that he was doing with the Matt Smith stuff. Because I think Mm that the the reason they did a lot, they lightened up the Matt Smith stuff. Was a lot of people complained about, oh, Doctor Who is too scary for kids and all that stuff, and they lightened it up heavily in the Matt Smith era. And I just it kind of it kind of turned me off it, but I mean. Props to Moffat for, you know, staying true to his word for once by saying, like, the, the next season, the, with Capaldi being the new Doctor, he was going to take a different approach to the series,
2: and yeah. he did. <laughs> yeah, I think the one thing I liked about this episode particularly particular with Moffat writing, it felt like he's taken the criticism from, from his critics and fans who were complaining about what's been going on in, like, the past few seasons since he became showrunner. And he actually went, right, I'm going to prove that I have listened and I have changed my writing style in some aspect. I know you can't change your writing style completely as a writer, but you can take on the criticism and try to improve upon things. And this episode does feel like he took on that criticism and did try his best to write it for the fans. And Yeah, I know. mean, I was
1: very critical of Listen, but this yeah. one pro- like the and I've always said this, look, I've always said this, Moffitt is a good writer. In fact, I mean, mm-hmm. when, and I just, to me, I was more mad at him for, because, you know, he's a good writer, but he just didn't try with the Matt Smith stuff. He just did not try enough, because, like, I, mean, I remember he wrote the Gas Mask episode for the, the Christopher Eccleston run, and I love that uh, story so much, and I think that. Yeah. Ever since then, he kind of fell into a deep rut with in, in, in his writing, and um, y- you know he, did, he just he
2: never he did recovered. wrote some good
3: episodes. He just yeah, never recovered he, from. He
2: did. Um, yeah, when when he was with like uh, doing with Russell T. Davison as a writer, I thought some of his episodes were brilliant. Like Girl in the Fireplace" was really good. "Blink" was another very good episode as well. We he did. He written.
3: Yeah.
2: And this has proven that why I like those episodes, because they were very well written and strong. And even after we I watched this episode, this episode was about 46 minutes long. And once I was done, finished watching it, I thought, I was like, wait, that's it? That's the end of the episode? Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: the pacing was really good in this episode. It went by quick. Yeah,
3: there
1: was... There was no filler in this one, like because I mean,
2: one of the complaints I had
1: with like Mummy on the Oriental Express was like there was some a lot of filler scenes that kind of just dragged the the yeah. episodes. But here there was none, and I'm mm-hmm. like, holy shit!
2: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah.
1: I mean, no, I really like really- this episode. This is this is one of my favorite stories so far they've done, and. I hope they don't fuck it up in the second part because th- th- this first part was really good, really
2: good. Yeah, it's just again they have to play their cards carefully now because this is if this they uh, I mean this the, this is the thing I like about it this episode they built everything up they left it on like a bunch of well three cliffhangers basically one of them is. Um, I was stuck in the room with a Cybermen about to break out, break out for the chamber. He had all the Cybermen about to attack London and he had to reveal the Missy saying that I'm the master to the Doctor and it's like holy totally sh- shit and you're just like you want to know my mm, yeah. i
3: next.
1: <laughs> yeah, because she says to him like in the most serious tone ever you know who I am. <laughs> yeah.
2: And he said well I can't ca- I call myself Missy Missy short for Mistress you know I can't call myself the Master and the doc's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, it's like his worst nightmares just come back.
1: And No, I, I'll say it now. Uh, five stars from me. Yeah, five same star name. episode. Yeah. the yeah, uh, <laughs> First one, first episode I've given five stars to, and it's the finale. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's just it's so so well written. I really have no complaint. I just hope the second part lives up to the first part.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah um, Capaldi's great hope he um, stays for more than these seasons because it's a damn shame if he just did because I know there are a lot of rumors about him like only staying for one season and I hope that's not true because he's really good yeah. he's really good
2: absolutely yeah uh, Um. yeah that's it for Doctor Who news What's, so what are we moving on to next?
1: So, um, Marvel announced a lot of movies, and we need to get through these as quickly as possible, because there's a lot to go through. Oh, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, so, bear with us, people. I mean, there's going to be a lot of talk about Marvel movies, and, of course, spoilers for uh, the movies you haven't seen. Yeah. So, if you have not not seen any of the Phase 2 stuff, then stop listening right now, because, you know.
2: Yeah, we probably are going to go into detail on some stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, first one I want to talk about is um, what was it? Uh, they they announced he was going to be playing Doctor Strange, which was Benedict Cumberbatch. So,
2: funny well, thing, 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 they didn't announce at the press conference. Basically, it's been confirmed, but I think they're going to officially announce it at um, San Diego Comic Con.
1: Yeah, but it, we we know. Yeah, it's we know. Yeah, we know.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think even Benedict Cumberbatch has even gone on record saying yeah he's doing it. Yeah, <laughs> Out of all the choices they've done, this is probably the most obvious choice they picked for a role for a Marvel character. But yeah, again, it's like one of those things. Like right? sometimes the obvious choice is the best choice.
1: And to be honest, who at this point, can do uh, strange because he's a cause he's a tough role to pull off. Like he really yeah. is.
2: And again, when to come back, he's a very very eccentric actor with his acting style. And when I see him at Sherlock, I thought. Yeah, I can, I can see why. I can see why Marvel would like him for Doctor Strange. 100%.
1: Just uh, kind of wondering how what he would look like with a beard, though.
2: <laughs> that is a good question, yeah. I, I, I think he could pull off the beard. I think he could pull off the beard.
1: Because <laughs> cause there was a lot of rumours about Joaquin Phoenix, and as much as I love Joaquin Phoenix, I think he's a fantastic actor. No, he's not Doctor Strange, I'm oh. sorry, because Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix is one of those guys who's very tough to work with. He has been known to be very choosy with his roles.
2: Yeah, and very picky and, on what he says in the... Yeah, first.
1: and, and, and um, I remember back in the, when the Master movie came out with him in it, and the critical reception for that wasn't as good as he had hoped, he just was pissed at the critics for saying his performance was terrible. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't want that kind of guy on your on your um roster.
2: Yeah. Um, and first probably the reason. yeah, it's probably the reason. probably a good reason why. They, cause you know 'cause this there's this reason why um they didn't get um oh what's his name? The guy that played the Hulk in the original incredible Hulk film, Chris Norton, is his name? Oh Edward Norton. Yeah Edward you know Norton, I mean? yeah, yeah. Him. Because he was picky when he did the whole film. I think he did a rewrite as well himself. He's very picky uh, on
3: what he does. Cause,
1: cause, and and, and um, interesting story. For those who haven't seen Fight Club and how how fucking dare you not see Fight Club because that's an amazing movie that everyone should see before they die. Mm-hmm. Um, If you have the DVD of Fight Club and you listen to the commentary, he comes off as the most up Up his own ass, guy ever. Yeah. Like, uh, um, what was it? Brad Pitt and uh, the director David Fincher are having fun shooting the shit, and he's like, "Can we talk about the scene, please?" And I'm like, "Fuck off."
2: Yeah. (laughs) Comes off as a picky douche in that commentary. (laughs) Yeah, he's. I've heard stories about him. he's difficult to work with on some projects, and that's the reason why they got uh, oh
1: parts. i mean he le- he left because of money like that that's that's the reason why yeah. he's like
2: uh, they weren't paying me enough
1: to do this and I'm like, well, you gotta realize that um they're paying a shit ton of money for these guys. i mean I think sam jackson get paid is is the most paid actor out of all of them
2: I think he got paid i think he got paid like out of all the films he's doing he got paid like ten million up front. Yeah, for for essentially because he did he did uh, he did um, Iron Man one and two and then after Iron Man two he signed on to do seven more films. Seven. More and films. I think
1: I think I think the the biggest difficulty for them was getting him on board because you know Jackson is a workhorse. It's it's you know yeah. it's public knowledge he's a workhorse, but. Again, he's like the most expensive actor right now, and they were kind of worried. Like, were we going to be able to get him to sign on to
2: to, to do all, all these movies? And I think he fell in love with the role, which is a good thing. I think that's the reason one, of the reason why he signed on to do that many roles. Because he he loved playing the character. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, it's a good.
1: It's good <laughs> the, the, Nick ultimate, Fury. The, the ultimate version of Nick Fury was based on him. Yeah. So if he if he wasn't going to be playing it, then that was like. No. That was that was a shame. <laughs> yeah, that would
2: have been a big shame. And uh, and, and, and uh, the timing was
1: right because like uh, Nick Fury was always been a middle aged guy. Yeah. And like Jackson's in his sixties now, but he, yeah. he still looks good for a guy in his sixties. Yeah.
2: So. Well, the thing was when they got him on onto the film, you got remember it was back in oh eight. So yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to believe in four well four years time that be that Iron Man one would be ten years old yeah (laughs) so yeah just keep that in mind people when we talk about that um i think it was just it was just done well you know it's just like they they had had the right thing had the right people to get in on the projects and i heard that they had to pay him a little bit extra to make them let him have him cameo on um, agent shield for one episode
3: yeah. <laughs> like, they had to
2: pay out I've, – I've heard it wasn't a lot, but they had to fork out a bit of money to get him to do that one appearance outside the film contract thing. Because again... cause
1: I remember, like, back back when they first started, they went up front in the press conferences and said, look, we aren't going to get any of the Avengers people on here. We're not going to have any spectacular special effects.
2: But we are... Because
1: of, because of, like, budget. You know, they fr- they upfront said budget reasons. Yeah. It's not going to look as good as the Avengers, so just bear with
2: us, please. Yeah, and the thing is, they've been building up and I've started watching it and, um, it's good in some places. It's a bit iffy in some other places. It's, it's like, like you said, it's low budget. You could tell by watching it in some places. Low budget for low, but for a low budget show, it is good in some places. Again, with Whedon, um, Josh Whedon, um, like being the showrunner for it, um, I think that's a good thing. You know, like him overseeing it all and being in charge of the project, and I think that's good.
1: I think season two is a lot as a heavy improvement over the first season because yeah. the
2: first season was just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, season two did not get in... Well, no, season one did not get interested after the whole Hydra thing kicked off. Yeah. Because <laughs> and... the
1: first couple of episodes are a pain to sit through because like, they were always yeah. like, Skylar, do something! Skylar, save us! Yeah. Because we're incompetent. <laughs> yeah.
2: Skylar, you're the one holding the team together. God damn it, just a... The... Oh. And then it's... Uh, yeah, it was it's just Agent Shield is is a decent show. They have had some cameo appearances from people who've been in the show or who end up going off to be in the film. So I thought that's quite good. Like, um, they had um, Samuel Jackson turn up and Nick Few in one episode. Which, his cameo was quite funny, by the way, which I thought in the show with him just losing his shit at Coulson. <laughs> and, um, the other one I, I thought was quite good as well was, um, they had um, Lady Sif, uh, what's her name, from Asgard, the Asgardian.
1: Oh, oh yeah, I don't, I don't remember her
2: actual name, but she she showed up on the show. Um, so they got her, in, and also they introduced a um, guy, um, Def, what's his name, the guy who played Gun from Angel.
3: He oh, Deathlock. Um,
2: yeah, Deflock, so they introduced him on the show, and they got Mockingbird for season two now, and Mockingbird looks really good. The only thing she's missing is a mask, but I'm not really too fussed about that to be honest, because it got away with Hawkeye. Hawkeye essentially is the ultimate version of Hawkeye with his look.
1: Oh, I just miss that classic outfit so much, though.
2: Yeah,
1: well, they might give him them.
2: Well, they might give like, at least. I mean, I like, miss like, it I I in the. Com- I miss. Mean,
1: I miss it. I miss it in the comics. I don't miss it in
2: the movies, though. No, <laughs> oh, the movie would just you just look at you like Jesus Christ, but. um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think with Mockingbird, if they give her like some yellow boggles the whale at some point down the line, I thought I will be like, yep, yeah, okay, yeah, I can accept that. But um, yeah, Agents of is was a good, good show. It's worth, uh, Anyway,
1: back, back to, back to the movies because we got sidetracked talking about uh, Agents of Shield. Sorry. Um, um, they announced uh, Captain America three, which is going to be Civil War, and they announced that. Junior uh, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be in it. So
2: my mate said to me when um, when they announced that, I said, Cap, um, "When they Oh yeah, Captain America free. it's going to be Civil War,' and Robert Downey Jr. is going to be in it," I just he just said, "This is DC at their office at the moment." Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was one of these things when I saw it, and I was just like, "Are they really, really going to do it?" And it's like been rumored for a while that. Oh, Captain America 3 might be Civil War. And I thought, are they really gonna do that? Are they really gonna and sure enough they showed the title card and it said Captain America Civil War. I thought, Oh my god, they're actually gonna go through this. And sure enough, it's going to have more, it's gonna have a couple of heroes and heroes in it, and one of them being Black Panther and Iron Man.
1: Which I'm kind of happy for because it's like the only standalone movie that is actually a crossover. Yeah, which is something I've been begging them to do because, like,
2: well, they've they kinda been,
1: already, you know.
2: Well, they've been building it up with Iron Man and Captain America that are going to do get out at some point. Like they've been building that up for a while, and um, even in the Avengers film, they did not get along well. And even in um, the first Captain America film. Like Captain America did not get along with um, Tony Stark's grandfather, Howard Stark, at all. So they've been building up slowly over the course of the time in the film. So, and I think everyone wants to see those two duke get out. So far, we've seen it was quick, it was a quick scene anyway. It was like for getting in a fight with Iron Man very quickly, but that got broke up by Captain America. But I think people want to see. Captain America and Iron Man fight it out ever since Civil War came out I was like, like I'm a big supporter of Civil War I really liked it I just felt that it didn't end well and um, it's cute it's it's going to be good and it's going to introduce Black Panther so we get to see him for the first time do you think we're going to see him in, in, in the costume in the film though?
1: I don't know I think they're probably going to save that for
2: the
1: um, film yeah because it's kind of pointless to have him show up, and he's like, "Yep, yeah, I'm Black Panther." So, well, well the thing is, <laughs>
2: Captain America Three is the first film in Phase Three, and it is the um, is going to be the film to get him get his shield back, and it makes sense to have Black Panther in the film if Captain America is going to get a new shield because he needs vibranium. Yeah, and he comes...
1: I would just see him, like, come in and say, hey, here's your shield, and I'll be off. Like, it's probably going to be, like, a cameo at best.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, he might have a minor role with something like... If they do something like him, like they did with Black Widow, I can imagine that sort of capacity, you know? like she's Like, he's there, but he's not always there on screen.
1: Yeah, I can imagine that, but again, uh, Chadwick Bra, Bra Chadwick uh what's his face? Chadwick Brosman isn't really that big of an actor right now. I mean, he's done like a few autobiographies autobiographies.
2: Well, I again, it's like it doesn't matter. It's again, um, there's still quite a while until he builds up his reputation, but yeah, again, it's like it's
1: good and and, and he's he's going to be older by then, so you know. Yeah. A little bit older he's going to be free to do like a couple more projects and get his name out there. Cause he's still kind of an unknown right
2: now. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be interesting to get him on board. Um, cause I've heard some good stuff about him. Um, one thing um well, he, was really, he was really, he was really
1: good. He was really good in that James Brown, uh, autobiography. That was a great performance from him. Yeah.
2: Okay just have to wait and see what, when they go with it you know
1: so yeah Civil War um, they also announced Guardians 2 and um, I love
2: the fact that the Guardians um, title card is basically just the original Guardian logo would just etch out with two on the side of it and the date I mean, yeah it et- <laughs> I thought okay that really set the tone for that film already and I, I just hope myself please keep that logo please keep that logo that'd be a, such an amazing logo to keep this is a, like a little joke.
1: Um, they announced that. They announced Inhumans. They announced um, Black Panther, Doctor Strange. God, what else did they announce? They announced Captain Marvel, which was the biggest shock of them all, to be quite honest. And I, don't, I don't think any one of us saw
2: Captain Marvel... Yeah Being no I
1: think part no, of that.
2: Yeah, have you heard the rumour at the moment which going around um they want to do the um current Miss Marvel. That's one of the rumors going around at the moment.
3: Ooh, I, don't boy. Know,
2: I do not <laughs> know how to feel about that, but um apparently they said they want Josh Reader said he wants to step away from doing Avengers doing a other Marvel film. And if you're gonna get him to do a Marvel, a Marvel, film, get him on Captain Marvel. For the love of God, he he can write females.
1: Or just get the person who wrote, uh, who co-wrote uh, Guardians with James
2: Gunn. Oh yeah, because
1: he was yeah. a female. <laughs> yeah,
3: I
2: mean, it's like it's just one of those things. You just need to. Um, it depends how, Captain Marvel's an interesting one, it depends how they're going to do it, and um, the one thing I was surprised about, well, there was no Hulk 2, but yeah, again, I shouldn't be surprised about that, but Marvel did say in a and a session after when they announced all the stuff, that they said um, Hulk will at least appear in three of the films outside of Avengers. So,
1: so chances are he's probably going to be in Civil War, obviously
2: yeah civil war should be one of them i think he um I think he will turn up in um guardians is rumored he might turn up in. Because I think everyone wants just to want to see him in space at this point because of you know world war Hulk and planet Hulk um and then I think another good one I think Captain Marvel... I'm trying to figure it would be another good one he might turn up in. Hmm. it's it's curious if we just have to wait and see on that one to be honest. I think it would be pretty ballsy if they put him in the Inhumans movie. Oh, that'd be very ballsy. Um, I think it'd be very funny if he turns up in full Ragnarok. That'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> why are they making a third one? Well, again, they need to tie up the whole thing with Loki taking over of Asgard and everything uh, like that.
3: It will shit. Again,
2: <laughs> the four films are the weakest ones out of the bunch, I'll say that much. Um, <laughs> but, it'd be fun to have um, Hulk in there and just like just have a repeat of what happened to Loki to Hulk again in Avengers that'd just be hilarious to just see that happen again you know he's just like Loki say, no I can't read him here how can this possibly get any worse Hulk hello oh no bang 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 again <laughs> uh, that'd be funny
1: uh, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 kind of weird, like how Hulk is going to be like one of those characters, like Black Widow. I, it was just going to be appearing in movies, yeah, like as a side character, which is kind of ballsy. But I kind of understand why, because the whole you Hulk know,
2: works. Social- Hulk works better with um, people. Hulk, the character, the Hulk works better with people. He works better with characters rather than stand alone. That's how I feel about the Hulk.
1: Yeah, I mean, because I mean, how many times are we going to see that story of him being on the run and how no one understands him and well, how?
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, well, the weird thing is with Hulk, the guy. Well, Mark Ruff, he signed on to do like like a ridiculous amount of films with Marvel, so they're going to have to use those appearances up at some point, you know?
3: Because <laughs> he's like, give me work, please. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my career's
2: in the shitter. <laughs> well, in um, well, this is the thing with him is that um, he's been training with Andy Circus in for age of ultron because andy Serkis is in um age of ultron and
1: um a lot of people think he's going to be claw
2: so you know <laughs> i wouldn't mind that he does look like him
3: <laughs> and
2: um again apparently he's been working with him very closely on the motion caption stuff because again andy Serkis he perfected the technique of acting with mocap and stuff
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, he was Caesar in
2: Planet of the... Um... Caesar, King Kong, um, Gollum. Yeah, yeah.
3: Jesus. <laughs> so he
2: perfected it. So he's probably the best guy to work with with the mocap stuff if you're going to get anyone else, you know?
1: Because that's the thing that... that, he, that um, mocap is the only thing, I think, that keeps CG from looking fake.
2: Yeah.
1: It kind of needs to have a... It kind of needs to have a human... Um, movement. Yes. Because one of my problems with the with like Ang Lee's Hulk was that it was so fake looking
2: because mm-hmm. it didn't move like a person. No. It moved like a green blob. Yeah. <laughs> like it moved in positions where you're like no, no. I know it's a giant <laughs> green rage one but just no.
3: <laughs>
2: Same thing with like the 2008
1: one during the fight with Abomination I'm like yeah no. <laughs> like This looks fake.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So sorry, the, the fight was more impressive when Bolination was a human against the Hulk. Name was than the final fight. To be honest,
1: oh, that final
2: fight was
3: shit. Yeah,
2: again, there's a weird stuff. But yeah, um, that's about all the films they announced, and they talked about um, Age of Ultron.
1: And the biggest announcement trailer, uh, third
2: uh, Avengers three, two parts, and it's called the Infinity War. <laughs> Holy shit! And also, this is weird. It's like, have you noticed? Slowly, they start to make all the announcers. Like, I know, like they said, the Guardians going to be in it. I know, but the fifth free said that Drax, um, Batista's people said, oh yeah, um, Batista's going to be returned. It's going to be in um, the Avengers Free as Drax, and the most recent one they said Loki and um, oh, who, who's the black guy in the fourth film?
1: Uh, he- Heimdall.
2: Yeah, both of those two to being announced to be in the third. Avengers film, so this sounds like it's going to be an all-out brawl between (laughs) the heroes against this one guy who's probably going to be turning up with a massive army as well, from the look of things. He's been building this up. So I'm curious, and also it's two parts. Yeah, that that's what shocked me. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, Downey Jr. He's not signed on that many films left, so do you think he's going to bite the bullet in the first part? Like, he's he's going to be the hero to get killed.
3: Well,
1: there's a lot of rumors going around. Like, you know, they were like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is getting older and they introduced in the comics um, his cousin, who if you follow the comics, is
2: Iron Man 2020. Mm-hmm. So you never
1: know. <laughs> they might replace him.
2: Yeah, it... M- <laughs> It could happen, could happen, but I think he might bite the bullet in um in a in the third Avenger film, the first part, because that be such a. I think the way they should do that is basically make the first part feel like the Empire Strikes Back, like all hope is lost, that sort of thing. Like it's like they like at their bitter ends, wits and they 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 got owned. It's probably the best way to put it, you know.
1: I think that's what I, the feeling I'm getting from Age of Ultron, because Age of Ultron looks like that turning point where everyone's. I guarantee you, once Age of Ultron finishes, everyone the the Avengers are going to disband, and oh, everyone's yeah. going to turn on Tony. Everyone's yeah. going to turn on them.
2: I think it's going it's going to be um, because again, it was that famous story. that was written. It wasn't. I, I've never read it myself, but it was called um, Avengers Dissembled and I think this is probably going to. Take a, add some adaptations from that in the um, Avengers: Age of Ultron a little bit when they all disband and go their separate ways.
1: Yeah, because that looks to be the turning point of of Tony and yeah. his you know greed and and him saying I want to build Ultron to help people, but then Ultron turns on them and it's like we can't take that chance anymore. Sorry, Tony.
2: Yeah, I think this, you know. I think this is the thing going to be interesting with Ultron is that I think the first half of the movie is going to be about them taking down Hydra finally. Yeah, and they need to, to to fix that subplot. Yeah, I think that's going to be the first half of the film, and then just around the time the second act of the film starts, well, we get introduced Ultron in the first act, but by the second half, Ultron just turns. I think he gets infected with something involving Hydra related, which game make him game his own. Own person its own artificial intention. Like he becomes sentient, and he just turns on everyone. No, but but I mean, no, but, but,
1: I mean Ultr- Ultron's um, origin is very interesting in the comics, is yeah. because he, he gets built to, to help humanity, and then he realizes that the only way to help humanity is just to kill them all because humanity's fucking worthless.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's interesting in that sense because. Um, is, so like you said, because that, that's the ultra I think that's pro- probably what's going to make Ultron snap when basically when he helps him out take down Hydra and he's like, no. The reason why Hydra was around was because of humanity. It was because of you lot. The reason why Hydra was around. So if... To get rid of everything, i got to get rid of the problem. And the problem is is humanity itself.
1: Yeah, because he doesn't see flaw in himself because he's, he's a machine. He's built to be perfect. That's his programming. Yeah, he believes... He's programming... His programming is to help people, and and the only way to help someone is to kill
2: all, all everyone. Well, that's essentially what what what, um, what happened. to Skynet was that Skynet was supposed to protect everyone, and they realized, well, how we're going to protect everyone? Easy, by killing everyone.
1: Same thing with uh, Days of Future Past. I mean, they built the Sentinels to to stop mutants, and then they got crazy and realized, you know what? Fuck both, <laughs> fuck both uh, humans and. Uh, and uh, mutants. Oh, yeah. We
2: don't need them. We can build our own world. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: And then that happened, and then it stopped. And then apocalypse. Like, no, I'm going to show you what happened when if you didn't kill, if you killed the Sentinels, what happened if the mutants take over instead? <laughs> and apocalypse. Like, I own all you bitches. <laughs> oh, uh, that's another topic. Um. I'm really looking forward to a Voltron uh, one thing I was really impressed with the trailer that the little sequence because when they released it in the UK they added an extra bonus feature onto it. have you seen it which one um, they're in the past they're trying to lift up Falls hammer
1: yeah I saw that <laughs> that, that made
2: me laugh because <laughs> um, it it was like Tony trying to lift it up then he gets like his Iron Man like glove which doesn't help then it, War Machine steps in with his glove as well. He's like, come on, you got to help me, bro. He's like, well, I'm supporting you, bro. And then like, this is trying to lift off the hammer. that can't do it. And then, then they said the Black Widow, um, you want to lift off he's He said, well, we already know the answer to that one, don't we? And then the, the last one was Captain America. And he moved it slightly. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> is that going to come into play? Is that foreshadowing to what's going to happen later in the film? Is he going to pick it up, and is he going to destroy Ultron with it i 'm curious <laughs> i'm really curious about that now
1: uh, The only thing I wasn't impressed in with the trailers like they should the the scene where they go into the rubble and they show the shield broken i 'm like, God damn it, they, why'd you
2: put that in they could could have keep they should have kept that a secret. They really should have kept that a secret. I know that that might have leaked online, but if it even did keep it a secret, but I would have loved them. At least to keep it a secret, you know. Yeah, because that's kind of a big spoiler. It's like, wow, that's the iconic point in the comic. That's the thing. That's like the first time that happens, and it's like, holy shit, they broke. He broke the shield.
1: Also, they gave away the Hulkbuster armor, but you know.
0: I think the
2: Hulkbuster thing. I think marketable wise, I think that was like that needed to be there to sell on a certain point because, like, I think everyone wanted hulk to fight iron man and because uh, funny enough when iron man started getting more known a lot of regular comic a lot of regular people went to these films started to learn about iron man and they were like oh doesn't he have a like an armor to fight the hulk with and they sure enough they start to learn about the hulk buster armor and eventually we knew that was coming at some point and it did and when they showed it off i thought where i saw that hulk buster with the hulk sounding dope when they're both just staring each other down, you know what popped in my head?
3: What? You,
2: I know you don't like the film, but you know Godzilla. The the bit the, the, the bit the, the bit with the character who said, "Let them fight." <laughs> that popped into my head. That line, "Let them fight," and I'm like, "Oh my god, let them fight!" And again, it goes
1: back to like you know, I kind of see. um, Bruce turning on Tony first because, again, even in the first movie they really didn't get along all that well until the very end.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just... So, you know... I think, slowly, I think everyone's going to turn on Tony and um, even four. I feel it's going to happen the four by the end of the movie because even in the trailer he grabs him by the throat and, like, pulls him up over his shoulders and um, I think what's going to happen with four he's going to be like, you know what? I'm no, I've got too close to you guys. I'm not going to deal with mortal matters, matters anymore. I'm going home. And when he goes home, that's when he bleeds in the Ragnarok with him realising what the fuck's happened here. Loki!
3: <laughs> <laughs> I leave you alone for two <laughs> weeks and you fucked everything up.
2: I <laughs> like, so, well, it wasn't my proper brother, brother. I just, like, pissed off, like, the of God in which the are the getting for us. <sighs> We're... That does it. The hammer's going
1: down. (laughs) Uh, I would have loved it if he just gave the hammer to Sif and said, you deal with this, I'm done. I'm done.
2: What are you going to be doing? I'm going to work out my arm biceps. He's literally the bro of of that cinematic universe, isn't he? (laughs) Pretty much. Uh -uh. And then, I think the thing I would love them to do in Age of Ultron, they at least... At least, acknowledge Hank Pan had some sort of involvement in creating Ultron. You know what would l- I would love? Because Iron Man's still part part of Phase Two, apparently.
1: You know what I what I would love, and I hope they do this, well, and I hope they keep this a secret. Yeah. I want Michael Douglas to do a cameo. I want him yeah. to do a cameo talking to Tony about the project, about the Ultron project.
2: At least, like, calling him up, saying, how's that Ultron thing I sent you working for you? That'd be (laughs) perfect they do that. It's just, like, he basically... I am basically... um, Tony Stark makes, like, the suit and the robotics of it, but Hank Pans make the artificial intelligence and everything like that for it. That'd be so perfectly they do that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, have him just be a voiceover cameo. (laughs) Like, he calls him up, and you hear his voice, and there you go. I mean...
2: He's like, oh, hey, 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 Hank, how you doing? He went, oh, I'm doing that sort of thing, you know? How's the project going? They should do that. That should be so. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Have we covered everything with the Marvel films? I think that's it. Yeah, bloody hell. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Told you we were going to go into detail about the damn
3: thing. No, no, no.
2: And again, it's like the only, other, the only other last thing I could talk about it was Ant-Man. And I, Ant-Man's apparently been confirmed to be a part of Phase 2. So Ant-Man's the final film for Phase 2. So
1: Which it's, is kind of weird, because isn't Avengers coming out before Ant-Man?
2: Yep. So that's kind of weird. I think Ant-Man's going to tie everything up. I think that's the whole deal with Ant-Man. Ant-Man's going to lead the way into Phase 3. I think that's his whole deal with Ant-Man. Because Ant Man at the way
3: I
1: kind Ant- I kind of see it now as Ant Man because at the end of um, Avengers Avengers Age of Ultron I kind of see the team splitting up and superheroes like laying on the low for a couple of months
3: yeah
1: and Ant Man being the only one who takes up it, Scott takes up the identity of a, of a fallen superhero yeah so I kind of I now I understand why they made Hank Pym old because you
2: know it's gonna be like. He's going to be a retired superhero. He's going to be like um, he's going to be like Batman in the well, Bruce Wayne, um, Bruce Wayne Batman in Batman Beyond in that sense. You know,
3: <laughs>
2: it's going to be very similar to that. He's going to be like um, his mental Scott's mental in the yeah. film. and um, it's going to be interesting. I think that's what's going to get all the heroes to start reappearing again. I think it's probably going to be Ant-Man who gets in action and all the heroes are realizing oh, there's still work to be done Sort of thing, you know. Yeah, but I think falls. Go- I think the fall film is going to take place just on Asgard. Maybe it might come back to Earth. I don't know at some point, but that's about it. I hope not. And Captain America's all based on Earth, and then Guardian of the Galaxy is going to be that. That second Guardian of Galaxy is probably going to lead heavily into Avengers. Um, into Avengers, um, you know, the Avengers film heavily somehow.
1: And, and uh, James Gunn did confirm that uh, the second one is going to... We're going to find out who uh, Star-Lord's dad is yeah. in
2: that movie. Apparently so. it's going to be very different from the comics as well. So that's interesting. So yeah, they're going to do that. Mm.
1: So yeah, that's pretty much all the Marvel talk we, we've got. Yeah. Unless there's anything else we missed out.
2: No, that's it. Covered all the Marvel.
1: Oh, there you go. Marvel stuff and uh, <laughs> Lord knows if if with this podcast lasts as long as this, these movies do. So <laughs> oh, <very> nice. Um <laughs> cuz they've planned this shit out until I'm 30. These movies are going to be made until like I'm 30. Keep oh, that in mind. <laughs> oh yeah, same air, same air.
3: Um,
1: so, we're going to be like 30 30-year-old 30 fucks on the internet talking about
3: adventures.
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Avengers. <laughs> but um, I think the other thing though know, I, I think the other thing we need to talk about. Um, uh, you said you wanted to talk about some wrestling stuff.
1: Yeah, we kind of need to bring it back because again, sorry people, this this week's been kind of slow. And outside the Marvel stuff, and we already covered that there wasn't bit there wasn't a lot of news to really talk about this week. No. So outside the Marvel stuff, th- th- that's kind of it. So. If you don't want to listen to the wrestling stuff, then uh, you can stop here. We're done. But if you want to continue on, you know, by all means.
2: So listen. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um,
2: So the first bit of news you want to talk about is to do with Kurt Angle.
1: Uh, Remember a couple of podcasts ago when I made the joke about Angle joining up with Jeff Jarrett's organization?
2: Oh, good. Yes, I remember. Like,
1: I'm looking back at that now and thinking, wow, that would have made more sense than what he did in real life. (laughs) Oh,
2: God. Um, The reason why this happened, for those who don't know, Kurt Angle left TNA to pursue more of an acting career, but he didn't want to give up wrestling fully. So he went to WWE and Triple H, basically, I think Triple H admitted this. He said, look, I don't mind you back. And I think it'd be great, but I would like to have you on a full-time contract rather than a part-time contract, which I think is a bit bullshit, if you ask me, because considering he let, he lets Ron Van Dam as a, hard, a part-time contract, you know?
1: Yeah, I kind of think that's kind of bullshit with Angle saying, like, oh, you know, they wanted me for a full-time contract, and I'm like, wait a minute, they already have, like, Jericho, RVD, and Brock Lesnar on part-time contracts, so why the fuck wouldn't they put you, put you on a... Part time contract. Yeah,
2: it's I, that that if me the wrong way. I don't know if I'm guessing. We only did that because I think they're desperate for getting some talent in. You know, I don't know. I think they're desperate to get get some recurring people and not have this many part timers. But again, I I think it's some of the because best-
1: cause, again, and I kind of understand why. Because I mean, I remember like a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago, the. I've heard rumors, and again, these are rumors, these are not, you know, they could be total bullshit, but I've heard rumors that, that the current roster isn't happy with all these part-timers.
3: Yeah,
2: well...
1: So, I mean, maybe that's true, maybe that isn't. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, again, it's like, Asaro's being punished for um, speaking out at WWE about their decision-choicing with John Cena. As he, quote, as, as he quoted... I'm sick of seeing John Cena versus Randy for the 500th time.
3: <laughs> there are a bunch of
2: young guys here that who have have great potential and deserved deserved a chance. And he's got punished, and he's obviously got punished because he lost to Dolph Ziggler, who haven't won a match on television for a good four weeks, and then he lost any job to um, oh he jobbed to someone on Raw the following night as well. <laughs> I can't remember.
1: I I I haven't watched like fucking Raw for a while now, so I don't even know what the fuck's going on. Um,
2: it's getting
1: like I I know I know uh, I know the results of Hell in a Cell, but other than that, I haven't really given a shit about Raw
2: to care that much. To be quite honest, to be honest, there were really only two good matches on that card, and that was well three if you count the surprising the Divas match was enjoyable. Uh no one. But Jeremy being serious there. Um and then Goldust versus the Usos again. But the problem is I've seen that match so many times now, it started to get a bit stale. And um the only other good match was the main event, which was um thank God it was Steph Rollins versus um Dean Ambrose. <laughs> and then John Cena felt like they him and Randy Orton was just repeating their match, their final match. Um from '09 in that Hell Cell, but just <sighs> spot by spot, you could say, yeah, a lot of this is reused stuff. And I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if you count all the matches they have on Raw, SmackDown, in developmental training, and pay per view. I think they must must have hap- happened to wrestle nearly a hundred nearly a hundred times.
3: And
1: keep in, and keep in mind, like Hogan has had matches with. Macho Man once yep, in, in his WWF career, and the, and the Warrior once in his WWF career, and both of those matches were WrestleMania matches.
2: Yeah. I compare that
1: shit to Cena and Orton.
2: Well, they were <laughs> wrestling back in OVW, back in the training development, when John Cena was known as the prototype.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus.
2: So, that's what I mean. They've been wrestling for a long, long time, and it's just like, really? That's the reason why... Us- Osara made that comment saying that, uh, oh, I don't want to see them wrestle for like the 500th time. And
3: <laughs> sure enough,
2: he's like, what did you just say?
3: <laughs>
2: I can imagine Triple H basically just walked in there. Hey, what did you say? Just holding his shovel. <laughs> So yeah, going back to Kurt Angle. Um, Kurt Angle, they didn't give him a part-time contract. He re-signed with TNA. Cause TNA is like, oh yeah, yeah, we we'll give you a part-time contract because he wants to. Yeah, it.
1: never mind the fact that we. we uh, but, never but, mind but, the fact that we're. N- never mind the fact that we're fucked at this point, and anyone who signs with us is fucking out of their mind. <laughs> they
2: still have not got a new television deal.
1: Yeah, did you know? Uh, and here's the crazy thing about TNA: they've recorded all their episodes. Yep. Like they've recorded all their episodes a year in advance,
2: <laughs> and
1: now they're just airing repeats.
2: <laughs> it's getting really. I again, I think they're gonna. End, they're either gonna have to downgrade to like the the like Ring of Honor, or just close up shop.
1: Like they're done. Yeah. And, and that's what shocks me about Angle wanting to stay with them.
2: I'm like. You do realize the company's in the shitter right now, right? Well, I I can imagine for Angle, he's just like, well, I'll get some extra money out of it. (laughs) and
1: It's kind of funny. He's like, you know what? I don't want to work part time. So, you know, fuck it. I'm going to be like a general manager type character. And I'm like, really, Kurt? Really? This is how you end your wrestling career. This is your final run. This is your final run in the wrestling business.
2: Please, Vince Man, just go in and buy the fucking company. Put it out that mystery already, <laughs> for the love of God. Just buy. so
1: much for so much for we're gonna TNA being an alternative to the WWE, right?
2: <laughs> well, remember when we talked about this back a long ago when Hulk Hogan walks out on um walks out, <laughs> walks Dixie, me? and Dixie's like holding onto his leg while he's walking out the building. <laughs> I, I'm telling you man that book when it comes out The, ri- the Rise and Fall of um, TNA, TNA that got to be the front cover man <laughs> that got to be the front cover of the book
1: The Rise and Fall but of TNA by Eric Bischoff and
2: Russo. oh yeah and, and basically you have Hulk Hogan like hugging Hulk Hogan's leg at the, like, the front cover and on the back you got the um, you have like two pictures you have like the Joker sting and then you have um... oh god what was that really bad Thing they had, I um, mean, had in TNA. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, that picture of Jeff Hardy high on crack at um, <laughs> Victory Road. No, oh, the Victory Road, yeah. I
1: mean, when
3: fucking Sting
1: jumps ship, and he was there for, from with the company since
2: two thousand four. Oh, in two thousand yeah, yeah, two thousand four, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, when he jumps ship, and he's been one of the lo- most loyal people on the company for years. You know, there's a fucking problem.
2: Well, this one mean I um, when when I saw AJ Styles left, I thought, yeah, they're in trouble. They are seriously are going to be in trouble now because like he's been the most loyalist fucker out of all of them. He's been there since day one with TNA, and he he, he left.
1: Also, like Spike doesn't really need um, a TNA anymore because they got like or MMA now. Oh yeah, they
2: do. And I actually saw. Yeah. saw that, I actually saw an episode. That I thought, well, oh, this is actually quite good. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's much better than it's kind
1: of, it's kind of better than the UFC because at least they book like regular shows as opposed to the UFC who just does like one pay-per-view event every fucking month or so.
2: Yeah. So I, I'm. I'm I'm really curious about it. I'm I'm really really curious to see where they're going to go now with TNA. Um, t- I think I think someone. How how gut wrenching would it be if Jeff Jarrett just buys T N A? How gut wrenching would that be?
3: It's
1: <laughs> like well you know Dixie I had. You had your fun, but I funded. I founded the company, and it's about damn time I take it back. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: and also, by the way, Dixie, I'm co-buying it with Will Arnett as well because we- <laughs> we're going to reenact our Super Bowl classic free stage chamber sort of thing, and we're going to have this lookalike guy, who looks like DDP, in the ring with us.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I saw that recently again. Oh my god, that's such a horrible pay-per-view.
1: Oh. <laughs> Well, I love how in the cages like one of the cages is like the guitar room and and Shivani yes. and, Shavani, and Shavani goes on commentaries like Jared is the master of the breaking of the guitar and I'm like what skill does it does it take to have someone break a guitar over someone?
2: That head? is true. You know what's funny about that is that I get to rewatch that match any time I want to call WWE Network's finally out coming out to the UK um on the third of November, so you know, I can rewatch that match or any WCW moment at my leisure as I want now, <laughs> for only nine ninety nine. <laughs> oh, they actually um, apparently um, they got rid of the stipulation, so you no longer have to do the ten month uh, commitment contract. You can quit anytime you want. So <laughs> they've basically gone very Netflix style with it, and they also, um, I think, for the UK price, I think it's only going to be like six, like eight pounds or six pounds ninety nine. So, in American currency, yeah, it will be um, the same amount of nine
1: ninety nine. Oh, God, the WCW memories are going to be coming back.
3: Oh, God. <laughs> God.
2: God damn it, Goldberg. You, only post, you were supposed to grab the baseball bat and punch out the window. Not to say... And also, who, who fucking ideal to put Billy Kidman in the main event with Hulk Hogan? <laughs>
1: Oh my god, I love that promo where he comes out and he talks shit about Hogan, and I'm like, "Yeah, and <laughs> who are you?" <laughs> yeah,
2: it was actually it was actually Hulk Hogan driving the jeep that time. <laughs>
3: oh, who was driving the jeep? Yeah. Oh, I love I love the, some
1: of the things where they 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 pan out. It's a white jeep, but then they zoom in. It's a black. Jeep.
2: How can you? <laughs> do that? Oh my God, <laughs> how can you muck that up?
3: <laughs>
2: and it was really funny. Um,
3: Goldberg, <laughs> <life>.
2: <laughs> Oh, Sid Justice, when he got his car, around. no Goldberg, no,
3: no, damn you Goldberg, Goldberg.
2: That was, that's probably one of the most funniest things I ever saw Sid Justice ever do. Well, apart from breaking his leg in the ring, but, yeah, but, um, yeah, oh my God, that would have been- WCW, around the time when Vince, I think, you knew it, it was dead in the water by 2000, and it just <laughs> got funnier and funnier. And oh uh, oh
1: god, uh, we gotta talk about this now. that We're in a roll about WCW. Um, oh did you see the did you see the Bash of the Beast 2000 moment with Jared and Hogan? Yeah, like where he just like, and and Hogan like nails the fucking company with his promo. He's like, you know it's bullshit like this is why the company's in in the shitter right now. Yeah. Oh. Like, And I'm
3: like, you nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it, Hogan. Yeah. You fucking nailed it. <laughs> Have
2: you seen the video that we see came out the interview uh, Vince Russo about that? Yeah, I, I saw that. I thought, my God, Vince Russo, I've got to say one thing to him. You may not be as good you are as a writer, but my God, you can talk around people uh, fucking well you played Hogan in your hand very very well and I just love the fact that, basically just, that he basically just told Jeff Jarrett that it just made me laugh like he said I oh, will you, if you want to play this real Ho- Hogan this is what you have to do it's that I go there I tell Jeff you're not going to do the deal I tell him He's probably going to go mad and everything like that. And Oh, it's a great interview. By the way, if you haven't watched it, it's up on YouTube. It's a great interview spot with him talking about the Beach. Um, and it's basically, so I'm going to tell him, just lie down there and everything like that. And keep in mind, the only two people that knew about this whole situation were Vince so and Hulk Hogan, and I think Eric Bischoff. Yeah, Eric Bischoff was the third person and knew what, what was going on. And... Um, <laughs> And sure enough, um, the whole thing played out and um, it went mental. And everyone had a go with Vince Russo about it. And then Vince Russo went out and apparently they spoke to the head of, head of talent, uh, what was it, the head, head guy of the television network the following the next day. And they said, Look, and he said he, he said to him, What the hell happened? Because that wasn't planned. Well, it was, was, but it wasn't, is the best way to put it. And. Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> and.
2: Um, he said, "Look, he refused to, to give Booker the title. We had this whole big problem. We got no way of getting out of it." And he went, "Okay, what do you want me to?" Uh, he said, "What do you want me to do?" He said, "I told him we're going to give him a call back." He went, "No, no, don't call him back. We can't afford him." But and I think Vince Russo realized at the time he should have at least give him a call back and saying to him, "Look, I got, I spoke with the people. They can't afford you. You know." Because
1: it, it didn't help, I wish he could have told him that because he Hogan sued them,
2: yeah, he did oh, so,
1: and, and then he won that case, yeah. so,
2: which put him evil. in sh- yeah, it that, that got ugly, and it, <laughs> he won his court case yeah he should he should at least called him and t- and at least said that to him, you know could Yeah, because
1: least... again with with the plan, he told him like you know if this was really real, like you do what you do that, you walk out. And don't worry, you're going to come back like li- next next night, but he didn't. No.
3: Yeah.
2: It went very, very pear-shaped really, really quickly, unfortunately. And well, then, it was okay. then it
1: got worse. I mean, here's the thing what Rusa didn't say. Like, okay, he said he wanted to put the belt on Booker, fine, but he didn't say what after, after that. Yeah. <laughs> Where Jarrett's ego took over and he had to win the belt constantly because, you know, fucking Jarrett and his fucking ego with him – because Vince told him Austin Jr. and Vince told him like you know you're never going to be a main eventer. You're just going to be a mid carder. Yeah. And they
2: were right. Yeah, they were right. Yeah. Again, for most of the shit, I give. I think a lot of people give Vince Russo. I think Jeff Jarrett's a lot worse than Vince Russo.
1: Yeah, I mean, because yeah, that that story Russo said might be true, but he did he left out the Jarrett part <laughs> yeah. where after that Jarrett went power mad. Because he's like, Oh, Hogan's not coming back, I'm taking over. It's gonna be me, all about me. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the top heel, I'm gonna be like the leader of the new NWO and all this shit and it just went down the shitter like Ugh.
2: It got ugly and it's just like you just watched it and you just like, Jesus Christ, how why is this happening?
1: And then Russo came up with the brilliant idea, you know what? Put the belt on me, because you know we need we need that. You know, WWE put the belt on Vince for a week. I'm gonna do it for. I'm gonna do the
3: same thing. Oh, <laughs> it's gonna, uh.
2: well, at least it's not as bad as putting putting an actor on it. Oh wait, that shit that did happen. <laughs>
1: I love when he won when David, when David Arquette won that belt, and and the commentary team was like, "What's Hollywood gonna say? What's
3: Courtney gonna say?"
1: It
2: made me laugh because like, like um, there was like a promo they filmed like actually um, I think it was at one of the studio lots, um, and they had um, Courtney and Arnett basically talking oh. back. Outside yeah, yeah, like so studio, <laughs> yeah, he's an awesome guy. He said, uh, you, the WCW champ, ha? And he just walked up and he grabs the steel chair and chase after him, and I'm like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> Even as a kid, I was like, I what? What's happening? <laughs> I mean, when he
1: won that, I mean, you watch that, and it's kind of funny. He won the belt on Thunder, not Nitro. Thunder. Thunder. <laughs> Which was their equivalent of SmackDown. <laughs> oh, you remember? You
2: remember the pay per view, the Super Fuck You um, DDP move. You remember that um, Super Brawl?
1: Oh my god!
2: And he basically he turned heel, and he basically laid down for Jeff Jarrett to him get the title. Yeah, that was that was garbage. Yeah. I think the only good thing that came out of that whole there were, during that year there probably was only good. Only two good WCW champions, and that was um, Booker T being the main one, and I think Scott Hall was all right as as WCW champion.
1: And you want to know who won the belt? Uh, who was the final WCW champion before Booker wanted and went to the WWF?
2: Who Scott Stein? <laughs> yeah, that was I mean. you know I mean? it was only good. there was only good two good champions in 2000 and 2001, in my opinion, of personally.
1: Also, fun fact, the WCW title changed hands uh, in
2: 2027 times. Yep. Yeah, I, think even, <laughs> I think even Sid Fish. this is all the weird thing, because when Sid Vicious won it, they played him off as a huge baby phase, and it, it worked, but then when Vince Russo came in, he was like, no, we need to completely clear up this mess, we need to pushed the younger guys, and they, he took the titles off everyone, the current title holders. At oh, that the time.
1: reboot, that was, that, that was terrible. Yeah. Where they brought back Bischoff and Russo, and they were like, we're going to do this new thing, it's going to be like the new guys, the new blood versus the millionaires club.
2: Oh, the millionaires club, that was terrible.
1: It was terrible. Oh, it you... Was oh,
2: you mean when Kevin Nash is in the ring, and basically he completely destroys the whole entire, um, young Tanner roster in literally <laughs> flat of five minutes.
1: Yeah. What about I read about Vampiro where him and Sting feud and then their big match at the pay-per-view and Sting pretty much like owns him in like 2 seconds. Yeah, oh,
2: god, that was Oh, you mean the whole gas truck? Ma- oh god, setting them a fire match. Oh, buried alive match as well. That that was so stupid. <laughs>
3: Oh, God. (laughs) Or what about... Here's
1: one of my favorite ones. Remember Mr. Perfect? Remember how how WWE talks about him being a legend and all that shit? Yeah. They had Sean Stasiak take his gimmick and Perfect jobs to him clean at
2: a pay-per-view.
1: He jobs to him clean. Yep. Great booking. Oh.
2: Well, this is what happened when you had Vin Russo a head writer and then you had Kevin Nash as the booker.
3: <laughs>
2: and that been heavily that's been heavily documented that Kevin Nash was the booker for um for WCW towards the end. I don't know if he was the final booker um at the very very end of it before the company closed down, but in the last few months leading up to it, he was the uh, main guy who booked all the matches. <laughs> Because they needed to give an excuse, the reason why they were paying Kevin Nash and Scott Hall all this money. And I think Scott Hall, most of the time, Scott Hall didn't, um, towards the end of it, he just didn't bother to turn up the showings. And when he did turn up for a show it's like, Jesus Christ, are you are actually here?
1: Also, it didn't help, like, when, when they got bought out and Vince brought in the NWO, Hall got fired after WrestleMania. Yeah. Because he was just difficult to
3: work with.
2: <laughs> well, apparently he got fired because um, he stole a bunch of stuff off airplane liner.
3: <laughs> oh Jesus!
2: But yeah, again, i speaking of airplane liners. Um, that same year, you remember? You, you remember? You ever heard of this story? Um, again, we're talking about w, WWE stuff here, but um, you ever heard the story about the um plane ride from hell?
1: Oh Jesus!
2: Okay, I I know we're getting off topic here, but this is a story that we have to talk about. Um, for those that don't know, the- um,
1: look, um. <laughs> I know a lot of people give wrestling shit and say that it's fake, but what goes on behind the scenes is not. And The Plane Ride from Hell is one of those stories that is infamous because it is disgusting,
2: and it just shows you how the worst of people. Yeah. The worst.
3: Yeah,
2: It happened back in um, on the 5th of May, back in 2002, a number of WWE wrestlers and, man- and manager members um, flew from Great Britain to the United States following the end of the European tour. So basically, they just finished off doing their British pay per view. So I think that was like an insurrectional revolution at the time. And now, with the inference flight, um, there was a number of instances that involved the management and the wrestlers that later on um, attributed to heavy drinking on the flight, partially because the um, flight was delayed an hour before takeoff. So there was a bunch of different small instances that kicked this whole thing off. And I think it was like back in 2012, um, 10 years after when the whole thing happened, um, Jim Ross, keep in mind, I think Jim Ross at the time, he was, he head of talent relations at the time.
3: Yeah, he was. Yeah.
2: And he was in charge of this whole debacle. And, um, I felt sorry for him because they interviewed him and he, he, he said, one of the worst things he's ever witnessed. And, um, I think one of the most famous ones was that among the instances include, um, the late Kurt Heron's Mr. Perfect, golting Brock Lesnar in mid flight, um, flight with a, um, like basically having a go at him and everything like that, golting on, oh, to say, like, come on, let's fight do do so And it was after one of the flight wrestling match, um, rubbed him the wrong way. And, um, they pretty much got in a fight, and it took everyone to break him up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, apparently, um, apparently it was um, Henning, and Henning basically was unable able to re- return the favour. Was something, something happened between a match, and, he, and Kurt and was unable to return the favour, and apparently, um, several other, including um, Dave Finlay, Triple H, and Paul Heyman had to step in and Whip these guys apart to stop them killing each other. And apparently, after that, um, Henny was released from the company shortly afterwards because he started this whole thing, which there was no heat on Brock at all at the time. And he was playing, he was literally, you've got things remember back in the bands too. Brock was a fresh guy, and that all blew up, and it got in a big, massive fight where everyone was trying to break him up. Then there was another incident, was that there was a restaurant that um, tame some of the other uh, antics and, and that went on the flight. Um, oh, What's his name? Dustin Ronan, I think his name was. I think, is that Goldust?
1: Yeah, Goldust. And Dustin Rhodes, yeah. he
2: was... Ooh. <laughs> oh, basically what happened to him was that he was uh, sitting on the plane with his ex-wife, um, Terry, at the time. Yeah, yeah, that... Know. Until being told, to, basically, apparently they were doing something. And um, he was told by WWE, um, Vice President of Tower Relations at the time, um, Jim Ross. And he refused to stop and he carried on, um, apparently, Doghouse dog for hours long and was public. And it they, they, they was made public and he was dropped by WWE in um, late 2003. So they kept him on, but he was in the Doghouse for a long time because of that, because of what went on with him between him and his ex-wife. Um, then there was one of the road age when Michael Hayes was involved in a physical incident with uh, Bradshaw after heavy drinking and Android punching. apparently Bradshaw punching Michael Hayes in the face, which has actually led to, um, confirmed by um, ex-part um, Sean Waltman, cutting, cutting off him and... Basically, you had to break him up and everything like that, and um, because apparently he hit him while he was asleep, and apparently Hayes said he deserved it and everything. like that. And oh my god, it, it it was dreadful. to Be honest.
1: Like I said, I mean that that's the story that just goes to show you like the worst of 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 humanity, and like the worst of the stuff that goes behind the scenes because. Because, again, like, you know, you got to realize that these are people, and you're always going to have – I mean, I hear stories of wrestler court
0: mm-hmm. where
1: every time a new guy fucks up, they have to be taken to wrestler court where it's – it's again, it's a mockery. It's just basically the old guy saying, you know, you do this because, you, you know, you fucked over – you fucked us over and whatnot. I mean, it's just disgusting.
2: It really is. Yeah, and – um the thing was that um, Jr got a lot of the brunt of this heavily. And I know some of the wrestlers did get the brunt of it because some of the wrestlers got release because of the incident. But you got to remember, he got huge, huge bonking from Vince because when that plane landed, my God, Vince was fuming over the whole situation when he heard what's happened because he wasn't on. He wasn't on that plane ride. Yeah. <laughs> So it goes to show what some wrestlers get up to and what happened when situations get out of control. And um, sure enough, um, it's interesting to see that some of these instances were caused by, like I said, the older wrestlers, the veterans, weirdly.
1: Like, that's the thing. I mean, you hear stories. I mean, I've heard stories like when new guys come in and they fuck up, you know, they're going to get heat from, you know, the, the, the veteran guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's like what I mean with Mr. Perfect having a go at Brock Lesnar, and again, it took um, it took um, Finlay, Triple H, and Paul Heyman to try to break those two up. Well, but no, apparently the whole, was it was Finley, Triple H, and Paul Heyman that had the whole Brock Lesnar back from killing Kurt Heyman's. Yeah, <laughs> and again, keep in mind, Brock Lesnar, huge guy. <laughs> and keep in mind, he. This was back about over ten years ago, so, so you know he was a lot younger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not to mention, it, this was at that point, sadly, when they brought Henning back, and he was just wasted, like yeah. he was just out of it. He, he, you know, you can tell by watching his matches during that era that he was not into it anymore. He was drugged out of his mind, and just useless. Yeah, just fucking useless. Like he was just there just for a paycheck, and fine, I don't blame him. But you know, I like I said, I gave Jeff Jeff Hardy a lot of shit for showing up and intoxicated at at that event, and I'm gonna give Henning shit as well because he came out intoxicated to some matches, some of his matches during that time, and his match with Edge on Heat that was awful. Yeah. That was fucking awful.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like he starts going out of the ring mid midway and starts fucking around, and you can tell that's not part of the script because you know, I just looking at him I'm like, what the fuck, man? That's not part of the spot.
2: Yeah, you know the one thing that made me laugh about this whole incident as well with playing Ryan from Hell is that um, Ross Jim Ross also noted that Scott Hall was on on on, on the um, flight as well, but apparently he slept through the whole title deal of the flight.
3: Yeah, that's what I find so funny. He's <laughs> just
2: like, the one guy you expect to cause trouble, he's like, nope, <laughs> he's like he's just fast asleep, <laughs> all the way back. I go back and he just woke up, he's like, hey guys, how was the flight?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, he's like,
2: yo, he's like, yo Paul, how was the flight? Don't <sighs> ask,
1: well, shut the fuck up Scott yeah exactly yeah,
2: I can imagine that was dope. yeah I can imagine that <laughs> uh, uh, it was funny listening to him when he did his Hall whole, whole of Fame speech when he did talk about some funny stuff about him and the clique
3: <laughs>
2: oh yeah it's good <laughs>
1: And, yeah, I think we rambled on long enough, and that's pretty much all we got time for. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all later. Bye-bye.
3: Bye.